talking about Ruth. Let me just, uh, if you want to go to Ruth, you can. I'm going to start out like I did last week and just read the first few verses of of Matthew chapter 1. Just to kind of set set the uh, tone once again. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, that is Jesus the Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Right, we, we look at Tamar first. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab, Aminadab the father of Nashon, Nashon the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, right? We saw, we looked at Rahab last week, by, by Rahab. And um, this, this week, Boaz is going to factor into the story. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed the father of Jesse, Jesse was the father of David the king. So if you, if you want to follow along uh, with Ruth, you feel free, but it's, it's like four chapters, so um, I'm just going to tell you the story, and at the same time, I want, I want to uh, embellish is not exactly the right word, I'm going to, <laughs> um, I, I'd like to ex- expound a little bit, thank you, um, on the story, and just give a little bit of the background, a little bit of the um, history, a little bit of the the things that, um, when you know the context some more, it just it just adds something to it. And then we're going to look at um, really how this is going to, I believe, apply to us. So Ruth came um, somewhat at the time of the judges, uh, and if you, it's it's like you know, they, they they carve out a little section here for this book of Ruth, and um, it it adds some. Uh, elements to the whole what was going on at that time period that we you don't really see so we're um we're going to see some stuff that we've seen before with the leverite marriage custom and uh there's there's a lot going on in this little book so uh what what you find is you have uh, a family um in from the town of bethlehem right there's a lot of irony in this passage Beth- bethlehem uh, somebody anybody remember um, what, what does Bethlehem mean? House of bread, right? So Bethlehem is, is the house of bread. Uh, by the way, if you can, whenever you're reading or studying in the Old Testament, especially the Old Testament, names have a meaning. And so these, oftentimes the names that are given there um, add something, add a, a major element to the story. And oftentimes add a lot of irony so that you, you know, it's like, Oh, I, I get it now, right? So if you can ever remember that, you're, you're really reading something in the Old Testament, look up the name, what it means, okay? Bethlehem is, is, is once again, it's what? House of Bread. So you've got a family from, from Bethlehem in Judea. So you've got a family in the House of Bread. Um, and now there is a famine in Bethlehem. Famines happen, but a lot of times we know that famines happen because they, they went off going the wrong direction, right? And so the, there's no bread in the bakery. Right? And you've got a family in Bethlehem uh, that decides to go to Moab, to, um, to the Moabites. You've got Elimelech, 
which his name actually means um, uh, God is our king, um, or my God is king. Naomi, Elimelech's wife, uh, which her name means pleasant. So you have, you have a pleasant lady that, that is going. Uh, they happen to have two sons. Okay? Mahlon, um, uh, uh, which means to, sickly, to be sick. I don't know anybody who would name their kid sick. Maybe he was born sick. I don't know. Uh, and then Kilion, which means uh, frailty or mortality, to come to an end. So you've got these two kids, sickly and, and, and frail. That, that they, and so they, it, it, if, you, if you know the story, it adds a little bit of an element of foreshadowing, right? So they, they go to um, the land of Moab because there is no bread in, uh, in Bethlehem. And so they, they move their family there. Now, the Moabites... Does anybody remember where the Moabites come from? Lot, right? There's a lot of them. Is that what you said? <laughs> no. So you remember, who was who Lot? I, I think I heard it. But, okay. Um, so remember um, Abraham and Lot um, split ways, right? They go, one goes one way, one goes the other. Um, Lot is down in uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember this story? Um, God comes to Lot and says, look, I'm going to destroy the place. Get out. And uh, he takes his uh, family. Has, he has a couple of daughters. Um, they, they head out. Wife looks back, turns into a pillar of salt. Um, but they go, they go out, and then his two daughters are like, well, we don't have any, we don't have any husbands. So we need, we need a husband. So they end up um, getting pregnant by their dad. Um, and one of them is uh, Moab. And so he becomes the, the father of the Moabites. When Israel comes out of Egypt, um, they encounter the Moabites on their way to the Promised Land. You remember that encounter at all? It's, it's, a, it's a big one. It involved a donkey. Um, remember, they, they encountered the Moabites, and the, the king of the Moabites wants um, uh, someone to curse Israel. So he hires Balaam to curse Israel. Right? And Balaam says, I can't curse it. I can't curse what God's blessed. So he tries three times to curse, to curse Israel. And uh, have Balaam curse Israel, and he doesn't. But eventually what happens, um, and you end up getting, you know, we're, this is um, uh, Christmas anyway. It's kind of fun to bring this in to Christmas. You have, you have a prophecy by this um, Moabite, quote-unquote, prophet, person, right, about Jesus and the star. That's why the, the whole star prophecy comes into play is from Balaam. But afterwards, what happens is with, with, with Israel, um, Moab, um, they end up enticing Israel. Um, Israel starts going after the, the women in Moab, and they start mixing and matching and uh, getting involved with the Moabite gods. And, well, God gets a little bit upset. And what, what you end up with 
and it comes into play here with Ruth is with Moab. They they say you can if a, a Moabite cannot come into the worship in the in the tabernacle or the temple for ten generations. Ten generations um, before they can before they can come into the tabernacle because they tried to curse uh, because they tried to curse Israel. So for for Elimelech and everyone to go to Moab, right? They're going to a lot of times. Sometimes they, they they seem to have be on good terms right now, but they go back and forth between fighting with Moab. All right, so they get there, and uh, we don't know the exact time frame of everything, but the two uh, the two boys um, get Moabite wives, and it it almost looks like that. Um, the wording there is almost like uh, they, they, they went and, and, and got them, <laughs> okay? It, was, it may or may not have been a, um, a, a real, was, they, I'm, I'm going to get me a woman, I'm going to find her, I'm going to take her with me and take her home, okay? That's kind of the wording. Like I said, you might be, have to read, I'm not sure, but that's how, how it looked. Um, now, so uh, one um, uh, is married to Orpa, and then um, uh, Orpa marries Killian, and um, Ruth marries Malon. Now, we don't exactly know the, the time frame. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but um, somehow in, in there, these two women get attached to Naomi. You know, later we see Naomi gets a little bit embittered, but they get severely attached to her. They, it seems like from the story that they, they, um, Naomi is just a wonderful, pleasant person that um, introduces these two ladies to the God of the Israelites, to, to uh, Yahweh God. Because what you end up with is first Elimelech, Naomi's husband, dies. And then both of her kids die in the land of Moab. So you've got three widows. And they'd been, in, they'd been there for, for 10 years. We don't know how long um, they were there, you know, married in that amount of time, but they'd been in Moab 10 years, and all of a sudden you have three widows. That um, w- widows back then, women weren't allowed really to have any sort of... Um, way to sustain them okay so it, it you were you were bad off if you were a, a woman on your own you had to rely on someone else to, to to sustain you so naomi hears that there's bread back in bethlehem so she says i'm going to go back to bethlehem but but you ladies i can't if you come with me you are you're destined to poverty because i can't provide you another husband if I were to get pregnant now, they, he, he wouldn't grow up in time. I can't provide you another husband. Go back to your father's households. Okay, so go back to your father's house because your father will sustain you until you can get another husband. And they both said, no, 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 we're going to go with you. Amazing to me, all right? These Moabite women want to go to the land of Israel, the land of Judah, right, to, to go back with um, 
the uh, mother-in-law, a widowed mother-in-law, all right? No, we'll go with you. And so they, it seems like they started on their way to go, and, uh, and Naomi says, look, no, please, seriously, I can't, I can't, I can't help you. Please go back. Go back. Get a husband. Prosper in your, in your land. And Orpah, with, through tears, says, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll go. I'll go back. But then you have Ruth. And I want to read uh, this, this little bit. Um, uh, Ruth, Ruth decides, no, I'm going to go with you. And she says, uh, this is verse 16 and verse... Uh, Verse 16 of chapter 1. Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me. By the way, do you see that? Thus may the Lord. Your God. Your God. She's calling on the name of the Israelite God already. Thus may the Lord do to me and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. So they, they, go, they, they go back to Judah. Um, uh, Ruth says, you know what, let me go and um, try to gather some grain. So she, um, they, it seems like what they have is a, a general field that everybody takes part in. So it's like, you know, we have, have, would have, let's, you, know, you go down here to Jill's, and you have 50 families that have a little section of Jilson Square, all right? So you have been that, that that's your section, right? That's what it sounds like, at least, when you, when you um, look at it. That's your section. So um, she says, let me go. Let me go see if I can get some grain for us. So Ruth goes, and she, she gets um, uh, working with a certain group of people. And the, the, uh, the, the man who is... Um, uh, who's part of the field that is, is, is Boaz. And it says that Boaz is a kinsman of Elimelech. Right? Very interesting. He's a, so he would be a, ki a redeemer for Naomi. He's a kinsman of Elimelech. So he's, if, if, you, if you think about it, um, he'd probably be uh, Naomi's husband's Uncle, or not uncle, but like cousin, you know, near cousin, uh, but the same generation as um, Naomi and Elimelech, not Ruth's generation. Okay, so uh, Ruth goes into the field of Boaz, and he he notices her and says, "Look, um, who is this young lady?" And they said, "This is this is Ruth." He's with Naomi, and he said, leave some of the field for her. Le you know, pull some out, let, let her do her thing, protect her, let her eat with the group. Um, if she, you know, let, her, let her do what she wants. And uh, so they, they really kind of help her. They don't, this, is, this could be a d dangerous job. She could be picked on. She could not um, get anything. She could, uh, she could be um, uh, assaulted in some way, you know, but um, she ends up, and it seems like more by chance, she ends up with someone who is a relative and who actually takes care of her. Um, so this first day that she goes out, she, she's able to eat with um, the, the, uh, the 
gatherers, the, the harvesters, um, and she actually has enough to take back home to her mom. They, um, they put it in a little doggy bag or something for her, right? And she, uh, she takes it back home to Ruth, but she, or to Naomi, but she also gathers about what would be about 5.8 gallons worth of grain. 5.8 gallons is, is the ephah there worth the grain. And uh, Naomi's like, oh, this is great. You, you, did, you did awesome. Surely God opened the door. Who did you go see? And she said, well, it was this guy named Boaz. And Naomi goes, oh, God has led you to a redeemer. He is, he is a close relative of ours. And then this is what I want you to do. When you go back, I want you, you know, when, when they have the harvest, um, and they, they have everything there, and it's at night, and everybody's really happy because they've been eating and drinking. And, um, and then they actually kind of gather there, and it looks like what they do is they, they gather around to uh, maybe watch out for and protect their harvest. Um, so that's, you know, Boaz is actually the owner of, of the field, but he's there with the grain. So when you go back, this is what I want you to do. After Boaz has, has eaten and had a good amount to drink, and he's feeling good. Notice where he goes to lie. And when you go, I want you to notice that. Then, then when he's asleep, go up to him. Uncover his feet. And lie down next to him. Now, we don't really understand. I, I, I researched this. It's like, like, what in the world does this mean? Uh, so, it, so everybody says, we don't know the custom. But um, one, one person actually said, said this, is that it, it could mean actually that um, it, it was actually uncovered from the waist down and not just his feet. Um, but the, the custom meant, uh, will you marry me? Is what it was, was. It was a marriage proposal. So she goes, lays down at his feet, right? And then it seems like he gets cold at night. My feet, my feet are uncovered. Who's there? I don't know why. I might be get uncovered. I don't say who's there. <laughs> I don't know. But he's okay. Who's there? Oh, and it's 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 Ruth. And she said, "Would you please cover me?" And, and the idea is, it's cover me with your wings. Mm-hmm. All right. And that's actually a, a term used um, in the Old Testament of of marriage. To cover me with your wings, for you are a close relative. And he said, "You're right." And and he actually he says. You know, you, you're, a, you're an excellent woman. You're, you, we, Ed, the whole town knows how wonderful a woman you are, and you've been so good to Naomi, but there's somebody closer. So um, when, we, when we get up in the morning, don't let anybody know that you've been here. He, he loads on her um, a bunch more grain, which would uh, about 95 pounds worth is what they can... Uh, it, it's a weird phrase there, okay? So their, their best guess is he, because it also says he put on her. So the idea is, you know, he, um, she held out her, um, probably some sort of shawl, big enough, and they kept scooping grain, and he helped put it on her because that's how she would have to carry it. So he gave her a, a really large amount of grain, said, take this to your, take this to your mother-in-law, and... Um, and I will, I will see what I could do to take care of this because there's someone closer, like a redeemer closer. So he goes to the city gate the next day and uh, said, I'm going to, um, 
Naomi wants to sell everything that's come to Elimelech. Um, so, and uh, talks to the gentleman who's the close to Redeemer. Said, "Do you want to buy it?" He said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that." And uh, he said, "Well, you're also going to have to acquire Ruth as your wife." And he said, "Never mind." <laughs> he he's, he said, "You know that would that would put in jeopardy my kids." Um, inheritance if, if she is there. And, and the idea is, it's hard to honestly know what it's talking about, but the idea was um, it, maybe he has the money to buy the, the field or maybe he has the money to, um, to take care of Ruth and Naomi, but he wouldn't have the money for both. That's a, that's a very legitimate thought on what was going on there. He said, no, I can't do it. It would jeopardize the inheritance of my family. If you want to do it, go for it. And so Boaz says, I will, I will be that redeemer. And when, when he does, he, he um, brings Naomi and Ruth into his household. Ruth becomes his wife, and uh, she becomes pregnant, which is, it, it, it's really interesting because she did not get pregnant with um, Mahlon, right? And we don't know how long she was, she was actually, um, they were married. It could have been up to about 10 years. But she did not get to, so she has this promised child um, uh, from Boaz. And it seems like Boaz, because I've always wondered this, Boaz did not have any, it seems like Boaz did not have any kids. And so this would actually take care, that that promised child would um, be, would take care of the inheritance portion uh, from Elimelech, right, being the kinsman redeemer. But because Boaz did not have any other children, it, would, it could be hit, looked at as his child as well. That's why it ends up um, with the, the line, so Naomi uh, took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. This is chapter 4, verse 16. The neighbor woman gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi, so they named him Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. So we have the line of King David right there. And I probably took more time than I wanted to on that, but it's really an interesting story. Um, the thing, see, uh, Ruth had to overcome a whole lot. Um, as I mentioned, uh, number one, she was a Moabite. All right? Her situation, I'm just going to call it her situation in life. We um, we we watched. You maybe you may have seen um, the story uh, or the movie. It's called in, in in the Pursuit of Happiness. Have you, have you all seen that? Um, it's Will Smith. He plays a a guy named Chris Gardner. Uh, it's based on a true story. Um, this uh, Will Smith's character, um, Chris Gardner, um, he uh, was a a, a salesman. And he sold some me sold medical equipment, um, but he he met a guy who um, was a stockbroker, and he's like, you know what, I, I want to be in that. He said, I'm not getting anywhere with what I'm doing. I want to be in that position to be able to write my own paycheck, basically. And uh, so he f he found out about a training program to become a stockbroker at Dean Witter, and. Um, he got into the program, amazingly, 
But he also found out the program didn't pay anything. It was like six months, but you had to just be there and uh, full time without pay. And then at the end of that, you may or may not get the ability. You're, you're competing for one slot for a full time position. So he decides, I'm going to go for it. At the same time, his wife left him. He had custody of his young child, and he has no income. And he ends up, he uh, uh, had, had to live on the streets for a while. He, um, and it shows in the movie, uh, one, one night they, he and his son spend the night in a subway bathroom. Um, not, not subway, the restaurant. <laughs> you know, uh, and then he, he goes into a, a homeless shelter and spends the nights in the homeless shelter with his son. And as, as the story goes, he, he goes through the program, he gets that one slot and uh, becomes a stockbroker, ends up making millions of dollars and um, has uh, done a lot of good with, with the money he's, he's made. Um, but he had a situation in life, right? He, he was poor. He was going through divorce. He had a kid. He had no way to get a lot more income. He had a situation to go through. And you know, I think so many of us have situations in our life that we're looking at, you know, how do I get to the promise even though I'm in the situation? Maybe that is not having much money. Or maybe it's born on the wrong side of the tracks or to a family that has not got the best reputation. Or maybe it's, um, yeah, maybe it was abused. Or maybe it's, uh, who, know, who knows what your situation is. But oftentimes, the devil and the world will use that situation, right, in life to try to keep us from getting to the full promise that God has for us. So you fill in the blank what situation it is for you. For Ruth, she was impoverished. She was a widow. She was a woman. Because in those days, a woman, it was very, very difficult. It's not like you could today say, well, you know what? You've got, you got skills. Go down to the job bank. Go, you, you can go and, and become a, 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 a receptionist or a a secretary, you know, really easily, you can, you can do that. They couldn't do that then. They're, the way that they could, could be taken care of was to be either in their father's household or their husband's household. So she had a lot going against her. But how did she go from being in her situation to getting to the promise? How did she overcome the situation in life that she was at and go from there to being in the promise? And really, the promise line of Jesus. You know, the, the first thing that she did is she, uh, she made a, I read it a few, minutes, a few minutes ago, she made a radical statement of faith and promise. I, re I read that a few moments ago, but um, I'll say it 
read this again in verse 16 of chapter 1. She said, uh, do not, she's telling Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people should be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. There I'll be buried. This may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. She made a radical, radical statement. And really, kind of like what we saw with Rahab, this is her statement of faith. This is her saying, I'm going to leave Moab and the gods of Moab, and I'm going to become one of, of Israel. I'm going to follow after the true God. This is her statement of faith. Okay? So she makes a radical promise to be with Naomi. Right? We, we all, hopefully, I think everybody in here, we've made a statement of faith, right? We've said, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. Just like she did, like she did to Naomi. Jesus, I'm going to follow you every day. Let nothing but death part you and me. I'm going, I'm going to follow after you, Jesus. But wait a second. This statement in faith and promise was from her poverty. Think about it. Naomi says, look, go back to your father's house. He'll take care of you. Let your mom and your dad get you another husband. I can't help you with that. Go and be taken care of by your family. Get a husband who will take care of you. Have kids. Let them take care of you. I can't do that for you. And she says, I'm choosing poverty to go with you. And that's powerful. You know, when we choose Jesus, there's a, um, there's a lot of people, um, and, and I'm, I'm really grateful for our, our uh, faith brothers and sisters. I really am. I think they've done so much good. But a lot of people choose God because of what God can do for them. I'm going to choose Jesus because he's going to give me a new car. Or I'm going to choose Jesus because he's going to make my, my life uh, a utopia. I'm going to choose Jesus because he's going to do X, Y, and Z. And I believe he will and can. I believe, I, you know, God is a good God who loves us and wants to take care of us, and wants to give us good gifts. But that's not the reason to choose him. She made, Ruth, Ruth made the commitment to go with Naomi, and she chose poverty over provision. What's our commitment look like? What's our commitment look like? Our, our, when, uh, our choices to follow after Jesus every day, is it, is it so we can get something? And I mean daily. Is it, okay, Lord, what, what are you going to do for me today? Or is it, you know, I don't care if you do anything for me. I'm going to follow. I don't care if you, you bring me into more poverty. I'm going to follow. I don't care if you take everything away from me. I'm going to follow. 
that's a lot more difficult. And I've been there. Our family, we've made tough choices before, well, we've, several times now. We've, we say, you know what, I'm going to follow. When we went back to school, we, um, we, we just had number four. And we said, let's sell everything and go. Got up there. I was, <laughs> I was working a student, a student job, making not very much and not very many hours. And we still had to pay rent, and we still had to get food, and we still had you know, to uh, try to take care of kids. So okay, Lord, I'm going to follow. And what did he do? He said, well, okay, I, I, will, I will provide for you, but you're going to have to straight by to get there. See, I could, if you're not, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to follow and to say, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to being fill in the blank. Even if you kill me, Lord, I'm going to follow. And that was Ruth's commitment. How, how, did she, how did she go from her situation in life to being in the line of Jesus, the promise? She makes a radical commitment to say, I'm going to, regardless of, of where it takes me, I'm going to follow. See, you know, it doesn't, um, it doesn't stop there. Um, she is a, uh, as I mentioned, Ruth is um, both industrious and, and, and upstanding. She's a woman of excellence. She's industrious and upstanding. She, you know, uh, she came to Naomi and said, I look, I'm going to go. I'm going to go and see if I can, I can glean and get us some food. Right? And uh, we don't know exactly uh, what happened to, to get Boaz to say this of her, but in chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask for all my people in the city. See that? All my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. So she didn't just, she didn't just make a statement of faith which is wonderful. Praise God she did. Praise God that we make a statement of faith to follow Jesus, right? But it's, does that statement of faith turn into us being a people of excellence? Are we, are we industrious? I mean, and it doesn't mean that, are we doing something with our faith? When we, you know, I mentioned before, you know, I know I, there's a lot of people out there that don't want to do business with Christians because they've done business with Christians. And they say, I don't want to do it again. I, I was just talking to a, a friend of mine the other day. I haven't talked to him in probably at least 10 years. Uh, he is a guy I worked with um, years ago. And uh, he's, a, he's, been in, he's been a vice president at a university he um, is now an operations uh, manager with a, a, a big retail company. Uh, he's also an ordained minister and has pastored churches. And uh, he told me, he said, he said, Ryan, Christians don't know how to live. They don't know how to work well in business. He said, they don't know how to do these things. He said, that's one, that's one of those things I think I really need to do in ministry 
is to, to write up some curriculum and to, to be able to start teaching Christians how to be Christians in the workplace and to do well. Are we doing well so that somebody would say, you know, that Kevin, that Ruth, that Carolyn, they, the whole town knows that they are a man or a woman of excellence. What's, what's our reputation? Hopefully it's good. But what, is there, are there things that we can do better? Can we, can we, and I'm not just saying you need to work harder, but let's be an excellent person in the way that we treat others and in the way that we um, do our jobs, in the way that we uh, love one another, the, in, the, in the, ways that we, the ways that we give, the ways that we serve, the ways that we help, right? And I'm not saying you're not doing any of those, but I'm saying let's just, let's pursue it. So that, so that everyone will see that I want to be like them. You know, there's one other thing that um, that Ruth does that how she, I believe, went from her life situation into being in the promise, and it's radical obedience. Radical obedience. I want you to, I, I told you the story, and you probably knew the story already about Ruth, but I want you to think about this. Okay? You've got Boaz, who is this, about the same age as your mother-in-law. Okay? Ruth is probably, she probably got married between the, you know, 13, 14, probably right around puberty somewhere, all right? She was married, uh, you know, one to ten years, so that puts her somewhere between, let's say, you know, 15 to, to 23. And her mother-in-law says, this is what you do, hon. I want you to go to your boss, the one who's taken really good care of you, and take good care of us. Right? It, it, it's kind of like this: if if you have no skills whatsoever and you start working someplace, and your boss starts shoveling you good things, okay, this is kind of what 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 where Ruth was at. She she really didn't know what she was doing, and Boaz says, "I'm going to take care of you anyway. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you more than what you deserve." Right? I'm going to let everybody just kind of not, not make fun of you for, for not knowing what you're doing. So this boss is, is really taking care of her. All right? He is mother-in-law's age, father-in-law's age. She, he's roughly the same age as Ruth's parents. And Naomi says, go to your boss and say, boss, marry me. Because <laughs> it, it, it's like saying this. Thank you for taking care of me. I want to share the, I want to cut of the pie. I want to be part owner in this business. 
Boaz could have said, <laughs> what are you talking about? Go to somebody else's field and let's see how well you do. Right? This was radical obedience. Naomi telling Ruth, go watch for him. Uncover his feet and go and ask him to marry you. For a young girl to do that with an older man just because her mother-in-law says to. And that's wow. Are you willing to obey? What kind of radical obedience are you willing to do? You know, and we, we, we already talked about making a commitment to the Lord. And, and you should be committed to the Lord for him to say, look, this is what I want you to do. And you just say, yes, I will, I will do that regardless. But, you know, this isn't something that God told Ruth to do. This was her mom, her mother-in-law. Right? Are you committed, that committed, that in the, the, the people that are in your life, that are over you, you know, we, we, like, to, we like to make sure our, our kids hear this message, but this is, she wasn't a kid. She's an adult who'd been married already. We like to make sure, okay, kids, obey your parents. That's what the Bible says, right? But it also, we need to be obedient in everything the Lord puts in front of us, both things that the Lord says to us, of course, obey his word, and for those people that the Lord puts over us. It's hard for me to preach this, right? Pastor Kevin, you know. But this is a radical thing for Ruth to do. And I want to toss that out to, to you. Are, how willing are you to obey? Or do we just say, we know better? My life, I know better. But Ruth, she made a commitment to follow after, G after God. And after, she's following after God by following Naomi, right? Makes a major statement of faith. It says, it doesn't matter where it takes me. I'm going to go. She lives a... a, a a, a life of, of industry and of excellence so, that, so everybody would know. And she was willing to obey, willing to, to do something her mother-in-law tells her to do that looks a little bit crazy. Right? She said, I'm going to do it anyway. And because of that, she gets put as one of the four women named in the line of Jesus. Amazing. Amazing. So, everyone has situations in life that come up before us that try to hold us back. And I want to encourage you, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's something in your past, maybe it's something you're in right now, maybe it's uh, not being able to afford to get to where you believe you're supposed to be. 
can we make that commitment to the Lord? And let God be the one to bring us from that situation that we're in into the promise that he has us to be in. Notice I said promise, not prosperity. <laughs> right? Hopefully prosperity, but you know what? Whether or not prosperity is a part of it or not, are we going to follow? Are we going to obey? And let God put us right in the middle of the promise where he wants us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for Ruth. Thank you for the example that you gave in uh, being a radical woman of faith. And Lord, I pray that you will let her um, let her life speak to us. Lord, for um, for those here um, who are needing to do any of these three things, right? Whether it's to, to once again make the choice, I'm going to follow after Jesus today. Or realizing that they, they need to do better and excellence or, or say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. There's, there's areas that I've not obeyed and I'm just going to buckle down and do that. Lord, I pray that you'll help. Help each one of us to not let those situations in life lie to us that we're not able to get to the promise. Let's not let any of those things hinder us any longer. In fact, I break off those holds. I break off the lies. I break off the, um, uh, the things that would hinder us from even committing and living that life and obeying radically. Lord, I break every hindrance off of each person here and ask, Lord, that you would do a major work. Lord, that even this church, Lord, in everything, Lord, let us be committed to you. Lord, I'm just, I'm asking as the pastor here that you would let this church be like Ruth. Just the entire group, that we would be people of excellence and we would be obedient people and that we would be ones that we follow after you regardless of the cost. So we give you honor and praise and glory this morning. Oh Lord, I, I pray for each person. But I know that there's a, a number of people that are not well um, and may not be able to be here because they're not quite well this morning. I pray that you'll heal each one of those that is um, ill this morning. I pray that you'll bring complete and total healing no matter what the issue is, whether it is um, a sickness or an injury or um, some other issue. Lord, I pray that you'll bring complete healing and restoration to those bodies and to uh, the situations that are, are, are have just kind of popped up this morning. And I bless those, those, all those who are not with us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, well, good to see everybody this morning. Remember, um, I may or may not see you. Hopefully I'll see you on Wednesday night, but not 
on Zoom? Uh, the 6.30 Thursday for Zoom. Amen. And uh, then Friday night, the 23rd, right here at 6.30, um, we're going to have some Christmas carols and uh, some scriptures, and then we'll have some goodies. Amen. Amen.